0: Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Gamerpreneur podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bradford Carlton. Today, I have a very special guest with us. I have David Morris. Hey there, David. How's it going?
1: I am doing very well. Thank you. How are you? It's a beautiful sunny day in Las Vegas. How about yourself? It's actually a sunny day out here in Western New York for once. Usually, it's just gray from November until March. So I get that. Although, I can kind of see out your window there. It's just blinding white, so I'm assuming there's
0: snow on the ground. Yes, a lot of snow. <laughs> I remember that that image of Windows. <laughs> yep. All right, David, I like getting the show started just right into it. So why don't you begin by just telling us a little bit about yourself, please?
1: Sure. So um, I'm 23. I actually just turned 23 uh, two days ago. So that's Congratulations, cool. you made Thank it. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, I did. I know, right? <laughs> um, so I am currently a uh, full-time college student at the State University of New York, Fredonia. I'm a video production major but I am also full-time the Vice President of the National Esports Association. I am officially the, what is it? The Vice President for Gaming and Development, Esports Producer and Director of Technology. So that's a bit of a mouthful, uh, but it definitely keeps me busy all the time.
0: I love it. Does that fit all on your resume or you gotta abbreviate some of that? <laughs> I, I have to have two lines, two lines, yeah. <laughs> all right, There's we have a lot to talk about. Before we do though, I start every interview with a single question, so I'm gonna ask you just like I ask everybody else. On a scale of one to ten, 10 being high, how weird are you, David?
1: I would probably say seven to eight somewhere in there. And why um, would you say that? A few few reasons. I think I'll start with the with the more you know um, popular reason, uh, like music selection. I don't like pop music. I don't like like uh, rock music, like any of that sort of stuff. I like uh, video game music, believe it or not. That's why I listen to most and then I don't think film that's all that weird in second. this face. <laughs> okay fair enough fair enough but whenever I get asked what's your what's your favorite type of music I always have to say well it's it's complicated um so there's a couple of YouTube channels that just post nothing but game music and that's just that's my jam
0: I had the uh, the Ocarina of Time uh, soundtrack yes. back in the day. Yes, uh, I had the uh, the Pokemon soundtrack, the original Pokemon soundtrack on on CD when that came out. So I, I'm right there with you.
1: That stuff is going to be classics in the next few years if, if it's sure. not already.
0: All right. So speaking of video games, this is the Gamerpreneur Podcast. So I do need your gaming cred. When did you first start playing video games?
1: So, oh my gosh, I would say probably when I was four or five, honestly, much to the displeasure of my parents. <laughs> um, every every uh, year for Thanksgiving, we go down to my aunt and uncle's house in West Virginia. Uh, they have a huge house on a hill, um, big enough to be a bed and breakfast, and we'd have probably thirty people at the table for Thanksgiving. And uh, my cousins would be there, and they had a Nintendo 64. And Mario Kart 64 was like an Olympic sport to us. That was the first video game I ever played. I became instantly obsessed with it. That was the one thing I was looking forward to every time Thanksgiving rolled around. And uh, it sort of started from there. So um, I guess family is actually what brought me to playing video games. I love it. You know,
0: I've played every Mario Kart ever. And I I look at the new ones and I, gosh, it's such a beautiful game. The tracks are fantastic. But 64 still holds that like special place in my heart, There's just something
1: about it. Yeah. It's it's so simple, yet it was such a giant leap forward, not only for Mario Kart, but for the gaming industry as a whole. Absolutely. All right. And uh, I'm assuming your love of games continued since. Absolutely. Absolutely. I lost a lot of uh, school time in high school because of of Minecraft. (laughs) All right. And uh, what do you play today now, if anything? You know, it's it's funny. I actually don't get a lot of time to play games on my own anymore. Um, but when I do, it's it's with friends. Um, right now, it's it's Valorant, uh, Mario Kart Eight Deluxe, um, Among Us. I mean, that's that's sort of the trendy one right now. Um, yeah, sort of those oddball games like that, but not so much the mainstream games. Those, I'm
0: fairly certain they're all mainstream at the moment still. All right. Um uh all right. If you had to pick one game as your all-time favorite, which one
1: is it? Minecraft.
0: Minecraft.
1: How you long have you it's... been playing that
0: one? Because I think I got that like 10 years ago. Like
1: yeah, I've been playing it for 10 years. Um it was still in it was still in inf, inf dev when I when I got it. Um it's one of those games that that really can last forever just because there's no right or wrong way to play it. It's up sure. to you entirely. And and I think we've seen that with sort of it's it's how big it got on YouTube, you know, 2012, 2013. Then it's sort of rolled off 2016, 2017, 2018. But the last couple of years, it's come back. And not many games can do that. And I think Minecraft is a, is a perfect example of one of those timeless games that really never gets old, depending on what you do with it.
0: For sure, I think it's like the video game version of Legos, right? Legos Absolutely. will always, kids are always going to love Legos, and here's Minecraft. It's essentially the same thing. Absolutely. All right, let's let's get over to the, the preneur part, the business side of things. That's why we're really here. Um, David, I know you uh, you're still in college and all that, but can you kind of explain how you got into the uh, the National Esports Association?
1: Absolutely. So um, actually ironically, it was me dropping out of college. So this, this is actually my second school that I've been in. Um, I was originally at the Cleveland Institute of music, I was a music major. Um, I was there for uh, over a little over a year. And I just realized it wasn't what I wanted to do. So I dropped out came went back home and I was sort of in limbo for a few months. And uh, my my uh, boss, the need president, Lori Bajorek was running um, uh, sort of eSports camps at a local nonprofit just just a dot on the street from me actually and i had a friend who actually worked for her the summer before running some of the summer camps and he said it was a lot of fun so i was like hey may as well reach out and see if there's any job openings and as it turns out there was and i've been working with her oh my god for all, it's gonna be coming up on three years already um and when the national Esports association was officially founded um i was just sort of right there to to, to enjoy it so i've been there since the beginning
0: Okay, and and what did you do at the beginning? Have you been doing the same thing the whole time?
1: It's it's been uh, sort of an evolution. So when I when we first started, um, I was just running the Minecraft server. That was the, that was what I was originally brought on to do. I was the director of Minecraft program, which is the best title ever. Um, so I was just basically creating a Minecraft server. But, but then eventually, um, once the National Esports Association really started to to grow, um, we were uh, organizing our first uh, live in person esports tournament, which was a Fortnite tournament at Almyra College, um, and being a, a video and uh, a video nerd and sort of a production background, um, I I had to basically design what everything was going to look like, how it was all going to run. Um, so that was my my first big jump into into the uh, esports production scene. And from there, it's uh, we've been doing more and more live events. Obviously, with COVID, that that all sort of just went down the went down the drain. So we had to pivot almost immediately to online uh, esports tournaments, which is what's really been our bread and butter for the last year. For so sure. yeah, um,
0: could you uh, break down a little bit of what the NEA is? I want
1: to make sure we we talk about that real quick. Sure, absolutely. So the, the National Esports Association, we sort of like to see it as one of those as one of the not you know out there to just make money esports companies. We're really there to to make the gaming experience better for the gamers. Um, so being a nonprofit, we really put a lot of our a lot of our uh, knowledge, a lot of our time into. Bringing gamers together, creating positive gaming experiences. One of the things we like to say is that um, we bring in everybody. There's no there's no barriers to to uh, being in our community. And uh, we, for, for example, one of our um, tournament series, our Mario Kart series, is actually just finished up yesterday. Our third season. Um, it's it's really a, um, a community of professional gamers, and we have some Division One Mario Kart players in this, some of the best in the world along with people who have never touched Mario Kart before or never tried to play in a tournament before. So it's it's bringing together both the best of the best, but also those people who don't really know how to get into it or are just sort of interested in what it's like, bringing them together, letting them learn from each other and creating sort of, it's creating a, a unique community that no one really else has tried to do before.
0: I love it. All right, and what's your role again with the, uh, the National Esports Association?
1: So officially I'm the vice president for gaming and development, esports producer, director of technology. So I handle, pretty much all of the tournaments themselves. So I organize them, run them. Um, I do all of the live production for them. I currently operate the website. I do a little bit of the social media, um, some of the graphic design, some of stuff like that. So it's a lot of the uh, behind the scenes work.
0: Okay. And what was it like getting into this position? Because your, your background was music, right? And now you're full on, on the eSports. Did, had you ever organized a tournament before you? And like, how did you learn how to do that?
1: Yeah. So it was funny when I, when I was actually, um, in music, I, I tried to organize a smash tournament on my campus and it was a complete failure. So, um, yeah, so no, having, um, someone having the team that we have really has helped. Um, cause obviously I'm not alone. Um, but, uh, so I was a, a music background, but I also was a video background. So in high school, I was heavily involved with video production at my school. So I, I had that background already. So I was trying to I always try to plan events based on what the experience is going to be like for the audience so obviously you watch some of those those huge hermits like ESL and and stuff like that and you can see it's very well produced Um, and I think having a good production background makes it a lot easier to run event like that, especially for the gamers, because they know exactly where they need to be, they need to know what they're doing. And once you get them in their chair, they're just, they're, they're, just, they're just playing games, everything else is, is sort of magic to them. So being able to plan things really well and have a really good team behind you is is incredibly important It has really made possible what I've, what I've been able to do.
0: Wonderful. Now, what are some of the challenges you've had to overcome in growing into this position?
1: Absolutely. Um, I You know, I, I, everyone's saying it, but COVID. COVID has, has really shown me what the difficult parts are. Um, because obviously, if, if everyone's in person, it, it's a lot easier to, to work together and solve problems and whatnot. But but having to be re- working remotely a lot, um, it's really about solving your own problems and solving them immediately. Because obviously, things go wrong when we're trying to run an event or whatever, and you have maybe five minutes to solve it. And, and what we like to say is that um, things may be completely exploding in the background, but to the gamers, everything's fine. There's no problems at all. It's all great. So, um, it's, it's sort of creating an illusion there, but, uh, it's, um, yeah, no, it's, it's just about making sure everything is always right on for our, for our gamers and everything, you know, nothing ever seems out of place. It's always us on our, on our end. So, um, you know, problem solving skills, stuff like that. It's, it's been a learning experience. Beautiful.
0: All right. So David, part of the purpose of my show is hopefully someone somewhere is watching this and they're listening to you talk and they go, wow, that sounds really cool. I'd like to maybe be able to do a position like that in an esports organization somewhere. What kinds of skills do you have? What kinds of talents make you good, you know, in your role? And then what advice would you have for someone looking to follow in your footsteps?
1: Absolutely, no. It's it's great that people are interested uh, because esports is now what is it a billion dollar industry? So there's gonna, there's always going to be a need for for more people to get to to get it get into this industry and, and get things going. Um, so so sort of my skills are I, I'm am a techie, so I've always been fast. I love building computers. I love um, you know video production workflows th- things like that. So sort sort of pretty nerdy things. Um, so. Learn, knowing how to to run a live stream, live graphics, graphic design, um, you know, music, uh, channeling of, of audio and video, things like that. Um, if you really want your productions to be, you know, to, uh, you know, top of the line, it's it's all those little details that you have to figure out and and plan in advance. Um, and a lot of it comes down to like literally drawing out a workflow on a piece of paper. It's, it comes down to that because if you're not organized, you're gonna like, especially with, in the age of Zoom calls, people are like, oh God, where's that music coming from? I can't find it. You know, having those issues, you gotta be able to solve those pretty much instantly if it happens. Um, so really having a knowledge of, you know, audio, video, graphic design and, and live streaming are, absolutely necessary, especially in the eSports world, because everything is on, everything's virtual, even before COVID, almost everything was virtual in the eSports world, especially for for all the people watching. So um, having those skills are absolutely necessary.
0: Okay. From the organizational standpoint, it's it's a nonprofit. How does it earn its money? How are you getting paid to be able to do this?
1: Yeah, so um, luckily I I don't have any financial background, so I'm not responsible for any of that, which is great. But but uh, the details that I do know um, are that we do often work with a lot of uh, colleges and higher learning uh, institutions out there, and we will help to run their esports programs. So we we have a monthly uh, or I think it's I think it's yearly a yearly membership program for those colleges. Um, so we'll we'll run tournaments for them. We'll do webinars, provide resources, help them build out their esports labs if if they like things like that. So it's really a, a service-based a membership that we have with those organizations um, that really help to foot the bill for most of what we do. Um, our public events, those are often um, pay pay for entry, which we're trying to actually reduce because we don't we want to try to eliminate those barriers. Um, so we also offer uh, a membership just for for anyone out there, any gamer out there. Um, it's, it's $10 a month, and um, all it, and it gives you access to pretty much every single public esports event we have, as well as other services and programs that we're actually working on right now. So we have a, a development team that's, uh, that's working on some, some pretty cool, um, website stuff and a brand new tournament management system and a new live streaming platform that we're working on. So it's, uh, it's, it's funded mostly by the large group, by the large entities, but, um, we, we do, uh, have programs for, um, individuals as well. And all, all those funds get put right back into the programs.
0: Okay. Fantastic. Now, um, on your end, if you could go back in time. And you could go talk to little David back when he was first figuring out how to run a smash tournament for that first time. Right. And you could you know, take him by the shoulder and like, look, here's everything that's going to happen to you over the next couple of years. Here's all the knowledge I've gained, all the good, all the bad ups and downs, everything in order to be able to show him how to grow his life bigger, faster, better. But there was one thing, just one thing he absolutely had to know. What would you tell yourself?
1: That's a great question. Um, I think, it would be simplicity is king. And what I what I mean by that is, is you know, me, five or six years ago, when I when I was trying to do something like this, or do sort of like a, an event, uh, just like at my high school, when I was running a, a video production event, um, I always tried to go like, like, way off the rails, you know, just make it as incredible and crazy as possible, you know, but I've realized that trying to do that especially with our earlier esports events where I, you know I it was one of our it was our very first view um, so we didn't really have like a good rhythm yet um, I realized that simplicity keeping things as simple as you can well the highest quality possible are is definitely the right move because if you try to go off the rails a little too much you're going to run into problems at the last minute that'll just break you down make you panic Give you stress, so having things as simple as possible is definitely the way to go. I mean, our our, our tournaments are literally, are literally turnkey right now. We just have to type in a few things and we're ready to go. So okay. so simplicity is definitely the is definitely the key.
0: Okay, on the on the vein of this being a show that I'm trying to get advice into my hands hands of my audience. What are some of those those things that popped up that you weren't expecting? That way others can like, oh, I need to keep an eye out for that.
1: Sure. Absolutely. I think, and I think this is still a problem that we're trying, that we're trying to fight right now, but, um, when we're doing our online events, communication with the gamers is, is absolutely necessary. And I think, um, what we've seen is that when we give instructions for how to, how to join the lobby for the game or whatever, um, we, we, we give it to the gamers, assuming that they'll have, that they'll basically understand what to do. Um, but, we we write that from a from a standpoint of okay we we've done this a million times so it's it's like second nature to us um, so making things as easy as possible and having to write things out pretty much verbatim it's not something that we're used to when we're when we're doing things like this so we have to keep in mind that there's always going to be those people out there that, that need just need a little extra help um, and and trying to make things as accessible as possible.
0: Okay, wonderful. And I bet you know once you've written it up once, you could use it in the future.
1: Exactly, but it's that writing it up the first time with every single little step to make sure that there's no possible way that someone can mess it up. That's 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 the hardest part, and uh, if you if you can nail that down, everything will be much easier going forward.
0: Okay, I love it. Now, dude, I like to get a little bit more personal, if possible. Yeah, absolutely. So I believe that we learn the most in our life from our failures, not necessarily our successes, because when you succeed, you may not know what happened. It just kind of worked out right. Like, hey, right. But when you fail, you got to take a look at it. You got to go, oh, man, how do I move past this, figure that out, and then do it in order to succeed the next time. So I'd like to ask you, what do you consider your biggest failure in life and what did you learn
1: from it? That's a good one. I think, no, no, it's, it's fine. I, I think not so much a failure, but I think just one of the lowest points of my life. Um, and I'm not, I'm not going to go too, too in this. Cause this, this could turn into a, into a three-part movie if we, if we, wanted to, but, um, this was January, February, 2019, we were planning a, um, sort of a nationwide Fortnite tour events, um, like a live drive around the country sort of thing. And it comes to be the last few weeks of January and I start feeling slightly sick um, and I sort of sort of shrugged it off. Um, And I won't go into the details of it, but three weeks later, I or three and a half weeks later, I was in the the hospital for emergency surgery Um, and spent a month in the hospital in that February went back that summer, was in the hospital for seven months. So I think I'm not going to keep going into that, down, down that path, but I think um, understanding the value of life um, is, has been absolutely incredible for me. I mean, I, I've, I had never had to deal with something, anything close to that ever before in my life. And I think it really put into perspective um, that, I mean, that life, life is short, Relative to to everything else going on, and I think that we just need to. I think I need to make the most of it. Okay. Um. So so you know, doing like running these esports events, running these these big large scale things, is something I'd always dreamed of, and I realized, okay, I just got to go for it. And that and I, and since then I've I've put all my energy into this into this stuff, and it's and it's become bigger than I could possibly have imagined. Um. So I think just. Experiencing har- hardship is is the, it's the best learning tool,
0: for sure. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us, David. On a more positive note, what is something that you're working to improve on yourself today?
1: Time management, definitely. Um, I have I have a tendency to procrastinate on things that need to get done. Don't we all? But um, I think balancing. The work side of my life with the non work side of my life um, because I have a habit of just always wanting to work. um, Putting in a lot of extra time and uh, that sort of takes away from, you know, just hanging out with my friends or whatever. And I think trying to find that happy medium is is something that I Been working on for a long time, and we'll still need to work on for quite a long time.
0: All right, fantastic. One more question, then we'll bring this in for a landing. All right. Right. Sounds good. Um, At the beginning, you said you're, you know, much to the chagrin of your parents that you were playing video games. How do your parents uh, think about what you're doing now?
1: Well, now that I'm making money on it, they're fine. But (laughs) no, and and not not to, to, to crash on my parents or anything, but they were never that. That supported of me playing game video games. I mean, um, the first console that I ever owned was a gift from my aunt and uncle. So, and, uh, much of the time it was no, you need to be going to do your homework or, you know, go play outside or whatever. And I'm like, but I have to play this game. Yeah. So, uh, it's definitely changed now that, um, it's, it's something that I, I can clearly do and and manage on my own. It's not going to take away from, you know, education or whatever. Um, it's things have completely changed. So now they're completely supportive of it. And the fact that I'm, I'm using my, my, my background and my skills to, uh, to help other people um, is, is definitely a win, and they definitely see that.
0: All right. I love it. David, this has been a fantastic interview. How do people find you? Where are you on social media,
1: the NEA, all of that, please? Absolutely. So our website is nea.gg. Uh, we were, I think, one of the first to get the .gg domain when it was first becoming a thing. So our website's there. You can That's where you can register for all of our events, sign up for our newsletter, all that good stuff. Uh, we are on Twitter at EsportsNEA. Our Facebook handle, I think is the same thing. Snapchat as well. We have a YouTube channel. It's some crazy long URL, so I'm not gonna read that out. Um, but we are live pretty regularly at twitch.tv slash EsportsNEA. And we also have a Discord channel that's linked on all those platforms as well. We have a great active community. So uh, that's that's the place to find us and hear about what we're, what we're doing.
0: Fantastic. All right. As we wrap this up, do you have any final thoughts you want to share? Anything I didn't ask you think we still need to cover?
1: I just, I think I just want to reinforce that esports is a billion dollar industry and there's going to be a slice of that pie for everybody. So if anyone out there has any desire to, to sort of get in on this industry, um, there's always opportunities to do so. So don't, don't, uh, don't put that dream aside. Beautiful. Go for it.
0: David, thank you so much for coming on with today. I genuinely do appreciate it. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And for everybody else, I'm going to remind you all, don't be just a gamer, be a gamerpreneur.